open with us to Philippians chapter 4. Do our scripture reading before we dismiss the king's kids. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. How would you get so uh, fortunate to get the shortest one like I've ever done? Because I turned you down last week. Turned me down last week. <laughs> All right. Just waiting. He was stalling. He knew yeah, what was coming. I was waiting for a shorter. Yeah, that was a good one. one. So Philippians 4, follow <laughs> along, verse 20. <clears throat> so to our Lord, to to our God and Father be glory forever and ever amen greet all the saints in Christ Jesus the brothers who are with me send send greetings all the saints send your greetings especially those who belong to Caesar's household the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your be with your spirit amen amen King's kids, if you're in second grade on down, <coughs> you are dismissed. Miss Jerrica is leading you on a world's missions extravaganza. Don't break my globe. Did they throw that around in your class? Uh-huh. I'll, I'll keep shopping for a backup plan. I have some inflatable ones. Yeah, I have a small inflatable. Yeah, I need to get them one. Real, like dodgeball <laughs> boom <clears throat> well here we are the closing words of the book of Philippians glory greetings and grace Paul's rounding out this letter and when I started Philippians ah my brain my reading had me thinking that this book was an encouragement to help suffering Christians. That was kind of the, the pace that I went at. That was the lens I was looking at the book of Philippians through. Like, this is a book about suffering. There's a lot in here. Uh, but I've changed my mind. I don't think they are suffering abnormally. If you are a child of God living in a broken world, you are going to suffer. You're going to suffer, especially knowing that this is not the way things are supposed to be. Even if your life is good and smooth and you're taken care of, the more we know God and how good He is, the more we realize how bad and broken this world is, and it breaks our hearts. And we suffer as we see the world suffer. And so I've shifted from thinking Philippians was a letter to suffering Christians. We're all suffering. Of course, all of these letters are to suffering Christians. I'm more convinced that this is a letter of strong loving encouragement this letter has encouraged me so much philippians he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to live is christ and to die is gain there are so many memorable uh, life verses you can pull out of this book and i think the reason why is because paul loved these people, was extremely grateful for these people, but also understood that they needed to be reminded 
that we, as followers of Jesus, have the strength of Him who has all strength to endure everything. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. So as I turn to my final page of Philippians, now, to our God and Father be glory. Be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do those sound like the words of somebody who's suffering? Do you, let me ask this way. Do you sound like this when you are suffering? What do you say when life is hard or out of your control? Are these the kind of words that come out of your mouth? Oh, to God the Father be glory forever and ever when I stub my toe. When my paycheck is shorter than it should be. Or when the bills are longer than I thought they'd be. Or when the kids don't act the way I thought they should. Oh, glory to God. These are not the words of somebody who is internally, spiritually, or physically suffering. But they are for Paul. Because this guy is under house arrest. Chained to a Roman guard possibly awaiting a death sentence. Because when he appears before Caesar, Caesar can go free or not. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting to bring his case before Caesar. And Caesar can cut him off just by not liking the way he looks or smells. Ugh. Get that guy. Th he's awaiting a possible death sentence. Th these are the words of a guy facing death. But he's not afraid of that. He's explained over and over again that he is content in Jesus no matter what happens. And he wants us to be the same. That's encouraging. When somebody who's actually going through a harder, harder thing in life than you turns around and encourages you, it's humbling. It puts you in your place. This guy knows loss. This guy knows betrayal. This guy weeps over people who've turned their back on him and on Christ. And he doesn't hate them. He isn't bitter about it. He takes it to God and says, all glory to you. He makes it about God. I like that. So we've got three points this morning. Three ways we need to handle everything in life. Three ways we need to handle everything God allows into our lives. Three things, three ways we need to handle everything the world brings into our lives. These are three things to keep in mind as we get busy, as we get old, as we get wrecked. These three key words will help steady our hearts, our minds, and our actions. We have three G's from Paul to a church that he adores as he says goodbye. Paul, give us three ways to handle everything. Number one, glory. Glory to God above all. Why? He opens the letter this way, and he closes the letter this way. In Philippians chapter 1, he talks about the glory of Christ. The glory of God. He talks about grace. talks about thankfulness, remembrance, prayer. 
but he wants all things to bring glory to God, no matter what happens in Paul's life. He's going to give glory to God. And our challenge is to keep that glory of God in front of us. What does it mean to glorify God or to bring glory to God? It means we praise Him, we honor Him, we exalt Him, we thank Him, we trust Him, we adore Him. To bring glory to God is to give Him your attention. We weep before Him. We even complain to Him. We don't complain to the people around us as if they can do anything about our real problems. We, like David, we take our requests to God. Even if it sounds harsh, God can handle you. He's a big boy. You're not going to say anything he hasn't heard before. Take your anger to God. You're angry with him? Tell him about it. But like David, make sure you talk to God long enough that you turn the corner. Because every time David vents to God, crush my enemies, dash their children upon the stones, take them out. He's so angry with the things of life. He says some very harsh things in the Psalms. He doesn't do them himself. He puts those things into God's hands. And he ends with praise. He always turns the corner and says, Nevertheless, your name above all names, your majesty, your kingdom, your you are God, do what is best for me. That's what it means to give God glory. Give him your attention, not just your good attention. Give him your sin. It brings God glory when you confess your sin to him. Because confession is saying you're right and I'm wrong and I'm going to say it. It brings him glory when you bring your problems to him. God doesn't just want you on your good days. He wants you every day. And by the way, you don't really have any good days. You're broken. You're fallen. You're a mess. So he wants you. On your bad days, bring God your glory. Now to our God and our Father, be the glory forever and ever, so be it. Don't forget, glory is the purpose and end of all things. Write that down. It's where everything's headed anyway. Everything in creation is going to give God glory. It's going to make much of his goodness going to make much of his righteousness going to make much of his kindness his justice his mercy his grace everything is the purpose and end of all things when we turn to the end of the bible we see god being glorified eternally god's glory and holiness need to be close to our hearts Paul has poured out a lot of details in this letter, but he hasn't lost sight of God's glory. In fact, he's revealing as part of his motivation for all things. This letter brings more glory to God because in this letter, uh, Paul is pointing the Philippians back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. And he does it by saying, here's how my life is, and I turn it back to Jesus. Here I'm suffering, I'm I'm sharing with Caesar's household. Here, Roman guards are coming to know Jesus. Here, here's what my life is, and... He's bringing glory to God whatever situation he is in. That's encouraging. Wherever you work, you are on mission for God. 
wherever you go to school, whenever you're doing family things, wherever you go, whatever you do, don't let down your guard and be whoever you want to be. Keep your testimony up and be who Jesus intends for you to be. And that is a non-stop glorifying God machine. It needs to come out of your mouth. It needs to come off of your hands. It needs to come out of your wallet. We need to do the things that bring glory to God. How do we do that? You have to say it. Not enough to just be kind. We say things like, and they, we open the door, oh, you first. And they're like, thank you. Say, God is good to me. It can be very few things. Oh, thanks for your donation. You can say you're welcome, like any old schmo. Or you can say, God has blessed me, and I'm happy to give. Give God glory in everything that you do, every little thing. Here, would you like a drink? Yeah, thanks, yeah. God has been good to me. Why are you so helpful? Why are you so kind? God has been good to me. Hey, can we switch shifts? I need to be off uh, for Sunday. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, let's let's switch shifts. Thank you. I want to go to church. Don't just let the things that you do in life go. So many things are an opportunity to bring God glory. All those little things pile up over the course of your day. And it's not just good for them. It's good for you. To say it out loud and to let your kids know and your neighbors know what a blessing God has been to your life. That's what God is doing through Paul. Paul is overwhelmed with the glory of God. And so that's why he talks about it so much. He wants to be a part of something bigger than himself. All of you want to be a part of something bigger than yourselves. That's why we're fans of anything. We like to be fans of groups and bands and movies and political parties and certain universities spread out through the state. We'll buy the t-shirts. We'll buy the stickers. We like to, we like to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Paul's got you all beat. He is a fan of Jesus and God to the utmost. That's why he's, we naturally talk about the things we love. How much do you talk about God? But I really do love him, even though I don't say much. Try that with your spouse. Try that with your grandkids. Tell them you love them to death, and then don't buy them anything. Don't call them. Don't send them cards. Don't invite them over. Don't get them ice cream. Treat them however you want, and just tell them what you tell them. You got to back it up. You say you love God. Back it up. Paul does. Glory to God above all. And then the oddball of these three, number two, greetings. Greetings towards other believers. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Now the brothers and the sisters who are with me, they greet you Philippians, and you don't even know all of them. He's been gathering new believers along the way. Some of them are from other churches, weren't with him when he first went to Philippi. He's like, hey, all the guys with me, all the ladies with me, they greet you. 
Verse 22, and all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Like, that's super encouraging. Apparently, now that he's in Rome, he has converted some of the people who work in Caesar's household. He just drops that in there like, oh, yeah. Wouldn't you open with that if you were a missionary? Let me tell you about, first thing, all these people that have come to Jesus, like, thank you for your support. Like, he just throws it in there at the end like it's secondary to giving God glory. It's secondary to living and dying for Christ. It's secondary for knowing that all things will work together for good. And these letters, he brings in people at the end because God's glory is the showcase. He's showcasing what God is doing in him, through him, and around him. And it, but he just drops it in there. It's so subtle. I mean, we're not, we're not good at being subtle like that. We always like to open with what's big and flashy. He does. It's God. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. That's pretty cool. Why is he going to go on this greetings kick here for a couple of verses? It's because, next blank, we are meant to do life together. We, believers, followers of Jesus, are meant to intertwine our lives with each other. How do we do that? Fellowship, worship, service projects, evangelism, discipleship. Those are the things we emphasize as a body of believers, as a local church, and calling ourselves a family of faith. But life together is more... It's more than Sundays, and it's far more than this building. Greet every saint, and then he greets some personal saints. Greet every saint. This is a, that's a hard thing to do. There are saints of every stripe from every denomination, uh, but what I see here is Paul's openness and willingness that if somebody names the name of Jesus, he's going to welcome them and take, take them at their word and greet them. It's a little different for him back then. Uh, now we are very Christianized and, and we need to do a little more work and we need to engage people and talk with them a little bit more about which Jesus they are following. It does take some time and some effort, but we can greet other Christians with enthusiasm if they embrace Jesus as their Savior. Uh, it's like it's like it's like when you go to a family reunion. You've got those distant cousins and that crazy cousin, right? Like like yeah, they're family. We can eat together. We can hang out together. Like you know, I might not bring them with me on vacation, but we can be friends and we can hang out together. But then there's another level of family your immediate family there's another level of believers as well the people that we agree with on doctrine the people we do evangelism with the people we submit to and pray for one another that that's important different dynamics to the levels of believers in our lives we should be open to all christians of all Christian churches. And we cooperate with them. Journey House, Welcome Table, YWCA, YMCA. We cooperate. Mercy, Mercy House, Forgotten Ministries. We cooperate with a lot of people. But then we have, 
We have specific missionaries who are preaching the gospel correctly that we partner with as well. Another level. Another intimate level. We warmly embrace all the Christians. But there is a matter of commitment and trust that is far more and far deeper than presence. Write this down. In today's multicultural and to a large degree very Christianized world, there should be a level to our brother and sisterhood that is more than just showing up, more than just sitting in the same room for a certain amount of time, listening to a certain old guy talk out his mouth. Words, words, words. Like, what, what are we doing here? Uh, we are submitting to one another. That's what we're doing here. We are gathering together and having a shared experience over a shared passage of Scripture where we grow in the same direction in our understanding, where we worship the same God with the same words, where we give towards the same thing for the same end, for the same reason, because we love God and we're supporting His kingdom together. That's a different level of commitment. It's submitting to one another and the structure that we have in place that makes us who we are. Our personal process as Graceway Baptist Church is this. We talk to people and we try to get their story. We mutually agree to trust one another. And then we enter into partnership with one another. Write these things down. This is our process, our membership process. I go and I sit down with Brad and Jenny in their house. And I say, tell me your faith story. And they share. And if you get Brad going, he shares and shares and shares and shares. And that's a good story. And then they come to church for a long time. Um, and they show up. They learn to trust. They hear me speak. They hear other teachers speak. They, they trust us. We watch them. We sign them up for things. We volunteer them. They read scripture. They show up. They show up. They're faithful. And we trust them. And as they enter into membership with us today, it's a partnership. It's a covenant that I'm watching you, you're watching me. I support you, you support me. We watch over their kids just like we watch over our own kids. We are entering into a covenant relationship that matters and it has meaning. That's the process. And he and she gain the privilege of telling me what's going on. You have the right as a member to ask deep questions. And I have the right as your pastor to ask why you did that. How are you doing? What about that decision? Is anybody else? Have you confessed? Have you repented? See the partnership? It goes both ways. It's a give and take. It's a covenant. And it's meaningful. Membership matters because how do we know 
who the saints are. Paul knows really clearly, because it's pretty much the person in town who's getting persecuted for, for naming Jesus as their risen from the dead Lord and Savior. People think they're crazy converts to some sect of Judaism. There aren't many of them. They're pretty easy to mark out. But in today's day and age, we have a little more thorough process, and we don't have to, I'll grant you that. But we have found this to be useful. And we greet all believers, but we have a special relationship with the believers that we meet with regularly. Glory, greetings, grace. Glory and grace kind of fit Paul's pattern. It's that, it's that greet every saint in the middle there that makes an interesting sandwich. Uh, glory and grace. Let me talk about grace, and I want to talk about how I'm still kind of struggling with the fact that he put greetings in there, like glory and grace. Those are big theological words, not so much on the greetings, but let's cover grace real real fast. He says, verse 23, grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Uh, Grace. It's God's grace through Jesus. That grace saves us and adopts us pretty stinking important we are saved by grace through faith we come to god by faith and his grace adopts us it's the only thing that saves us his willingness to give us what we could never earn you can't earn something that's of grace and it's through jesus but it's also in jesus when we are in jesus God's grace sustains us and grows us. He doesn't just put us into a bubble. He's constantly pushing us. He's constantly encouraging us to sink our roots deeper, to trust Him more, and then to bear more and more fruit, to think right and then live right. And that's the order He wants to work on. He wants to change hearts so then we have something to share from our hearts. He wants us to be secure in our thoughts and our doctrine and our minds and our our knowledge of God so that we have something encouraging and faithful to represent to the world about God in Jesus. His grace, it sustains us and His grace grows us. You don't grow yourself. Paul tried that. It's called legalism. And he had a really long checklist and he thought he was growing until he met Jesus and realized eh, he was a seed in the ground that still needs to be watered. And Jesus watered him and Jesus grew him. That's why he's a glory machine now. He's giving all the praise, all the honor to Jesus because of this grace that sustains him, that grows him. As long as he stays in Jesus, he's got everything he needs. One more thought. With Jesus. God's grace with Jesus. That's the grace that will carry us into eternity. It's not only got your past covered. It's not only growing you and sustaining you now. It is God's grace that will keep you right with God forever. His grace. Back front middle he's got you that's what grace does 
it holds on to and never lets go. From glory to grace, such huge theological words. Glory and grace are right up there with, with forgiveness and mercy and love. But it's the ending of this letter. Because he puts greetings in there, between glory and between grace, Paul's helping me understand just how important Christian community is to him and to his heart. I hope you see that. Glory, yes. Grace, always. But brothers and sisters, Paul's saying, don't forget one another. Just right in the middle there. He loves this church. He loves the Philippians. He needs them to hear. Believers everywhere are united in Jesus, but especially united in Jesus when we're meeting together as a local body, living stones, the bride, the branch, the vine, together, a body, a body of believers, a family. Paul started a lot of churches, right? His churches did not have buildings, programs, agencies, associations, boards. His, his churches did not have tax-exempt status. <laughs> his churches did not have any government recognition. The churches that Paul started, they did not have rights. They did not have protests. They did not have boycotts. They did not have rallies. They did not have their own personal lobbyists. They did not have any representatives in government. You know what the Christians had? Each other. That's it. The Christians that Paul knew about, all they had was each other. And if all of them are in Jesus, they've got it. Everything they need. They have Jesus. Kind of goes in waves every now and then. You get some uh, overzealous uh, preacher, missionary, evangelist <laughs> says something to the effect of, I wish we could just go back to the first century and live Christianity like that. They had no air conditioning, my friend. Uh, we're not going back that far. They had, they had no indoor plumbing. I'm not going, no, no, no. I know what they mean. They want to get back to what they would consider to be authentic Christianity you mean the authentic Christianity where there's a liar in the church and he has to be struck down dead you mean the authentic Christianity where there's bitterness and backbiting and ladies who need to be called out for not getting together you mean the authentic first century church where <laughs> where uh, some of the Jewish converts were, were not taking care of some of the Greek converts you want to go back to that people the church has always had problems because the church has always been full of people. The problems they had are the problems we have. We just may be a little more, may be a little more sophisticated. We think we're not. We're just as messed up as they were. But one thing I would like to get back to that they had that we don't is the mentality and the understanding that they needed each other. 
that's good. And they did life together. More than we do. They met together daily. Because they needed it. They had nobody else. These people are being kicked out of their immediate families for their faith. These people are, are, are suffering greatly. Socially, economically. We are very comfortable with our faith because our country tolerates our faith. Our government has a system of recognizing our faith. That's good. So we should use that to our advantage, and we are. That's why we have a building. That's why we have tax-exempt status. That's why we have a lot of things that those churches didn't because we had the freedom to have those things. But would we be okay if we lost all those things? Yeah. We might even be better. We might even be better. We might actually count on one another more than we do now. We're really good at scattering and we're really good about reuniting on Sundays and Wednesdays or Tuesday nights. Um, Paul puts greetings in here because he understands how important it is that we understand we need each other. And we do. We should. We need to have that mindset and that mentality. And here's why. If you want to experience more of God, you need somebody else in your life to help you. I've said this often, and I just kind of crystallize it this week in these notes. That God gets more glory from we than just me. Let's say I praise God with a five. And then Dave and I get together. We don't praise God with a ten. It's more like a 20. Because we're encouraging one another and we're grateful for one another. And we, we bring more glory to God than an individual we can. That's the purpose of why God leaves us here. He doesn't just save you and snap you off of planet Earth. He encourages us to find other believers, unite with them, fellowship together, pray for one another, love one another, confess your sins to one another, support one another. There are a lot of one another's. Why? Because when we do things together, God gets more glory. That's the point. There's way more glory in us than there is just in you. Now, when you are by yourself, you better do your best to give God all the glory you can when you're alone when you're distraught, when you're depressed, when you're this, when you're that. When, when we go through our individual seasons of life, yeah, that's a responsibility on you to give glory to God. Whatever state you are in, be content, be thankful, be grateful, serve other people. Don't just look inwardly, look outwardly. Look, tell each other, pray for one another, and then it gets even bigger and better. When we rejoice, when we bring glory to God together, there's way more than when it's just me by myself. And the same thing is true of grace. If God gets more glory from we, then what do you think is true about grace? 
when we are together, we can receive more grace than just me by myself. Last line. We, I know this is not grammatically correct, Pat. I just had to put it in. We holds more grace than me holds. <laughs> I didn't put, I just kind of abbreviated it there. We holds more grace than we, right? We, together. I mean, even, just look at the W. It's got two, it's got, it's got four arms. And me's just like, kind of just, I just see me's like shoulders down, moping. It's like, got one, one catch there. Like, we's got two cups. Me's got one. If God's pouring out grace from heaven, we's going to catch and hold a lot more than, than me is going to catch. Man, that doesn't sound right. Me holds. Ah, but it's true. I think that's what Paul is getting at. And that's why I'm encouraged by Paul. This guy doesn't, he doesn't owe anybody anything. He's pouring his life out for everybody and leading them to the Lord. He, he could just fold up shop, close up his little backpack and move on. He's taking the time to write back to his we. Paul knows that the more people he organizes and teaches about Jesus, Paul knows God is getting more glory. And that excites him. That's how Paul is pouring out his life. So God gets more glory through more groups of we. And then Paul's also discovered that if he has got enough people involved, he personally is getting to experience more grace than he could by himself. Because when Epaphroditus is blessed, Paul's blessed. When the Philippian church is blessed, Paul is blessed. When he hears that other believers are blessed, Paul is receiving and seeing and more and more of God's grace poured out. And that's only possible because Paul is staying connected with other believers. And he's super transparent about that. He asks these churches to pray for him. He tells these churches he's praying for them. He, he's weeping sometimes when he hears that some people have left the church. He's weeping sometimes when he hears false teachers have come into the church because it's corrupting the grace of God and it's taking the glory off of God and putting it on human teachers. And he's, he's going to put on his fighting gloves for that because he wants God to get the glory and he wants his churches to receive more grace because he feels it in his soul. You can be like that too. When you, it's hard. It's hard to be part of a we. You have to open up. You have to give your time. You have to give your attention. And you have to sit by some awkward people sometimes. Don't be elbowing the person next to you. Jenny, I saw your head turn. That's not what it's about. It's about one another. It's hard. Church is hard. I get that. That's why I'm preaching it right now. Put up with it. Love covers. If love can cover a multitude of sins, imagine how many more character traits that aren't sins it can also cover. Quirks, personalities, 
You can learn to forgive people. You can learn to get along with people, even if they rub you the wrong way, even if they irritate you. That, that's how grace. You can, there are some parts of God's grace you will only ever taste when you open yourself up and fellowship with other believers. That's true. You can't have all of God because you can't handle all of God. You need to be part of a we. And you hear how God is gracing this family. And you hear how God is gracing this single mom. And you hear how God is gracing this, this young man who's growing up. You hear how God is gracing this, this family. And you hear that. You're, you're seeing grace in ways that you could never see in your little life. With your narrow perspective. We can hold and appreciate the goodness of God better together. Thank you for coming and being part of something that is way bigger than you and way bigger than me. How encouraged do you think the Philippians were when they read this letter out loud in church? I, I thought about having somebody read the whole letter out loud today. You're welcome that I didn't. I thought, you know what? He just agreed to read. He knows there are only four verses left. I should make him read the whole book. Just, just think about it. Epaphroditus comes back. He's been gone probably a year. He took money to Paul. Now he's coming back with this letter from Paul. And they're all, yeah, good to see you. How you doing? We heard you were sick. You're better. Great, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's talking. Paul's good. Yeah, Timothy's good. Yeah, so-and-so's good. Yeah. And he hands over this letter to their church leader. Sit down, sit down. Everybody hushed. How encouraged was that church to get that letter? And for it to end with, oh, glory to God. Keep greeting and loving one another. And the grace of Jesus will fill you up. What a letter. I love this letter. That's great news. That's good news. I hope you feel that way about Philippians. It has encouraged me and challenged me. Uh, may it do the same for you. Stand with me. Let's pray together as we close. <coughs> Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. Before we do a song, we're going to pray. Do you feel like you are experiencing God's glory more than you ever have before? Do you feel like you are full of God's grace? Do you want more glory? Do you want more grace? If you do, Consider inviting other Christians into your life. Consider going out of your comfort zone in a new direction and in a new way with a small group or simply inviting somebody out to lunch. Somebody older than you 
or younger than you. If you want to see more of God's glory and fill up with more of His grace, you need to have other Christians involved in your life. Can you do that? Will you do that? You should. Is it dangerous? Absolutely. But with that great risk, you may gain a new best friend. You may discover one of our many prayer warriors. You may find out somebody has suffered exactly what you all are going through today. And they made it and they're okay. And that may fill you with the hope you need to just get out of bed tomorrow. Because you see that God's grace was enough for them. And so you know it will be enough for you. God, we come to you right now and we pray that you would help us to remember that you are good all the time. That we need to give you all the glory we can. And that we can do that best when we do it with others. And remind us, God, that you have all the grace we need. We just can't hold it. So help us to open our lives to other believers so we can hold more grace together than we ever could by ourselves. That's our prayer. That's our need that you would draw us closer to one another in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head down, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And I love your voice. You have led me through the fire In darkest nights You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful 
And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Because all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Because all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. benediction for today is from 2 Corinthians 13, it's verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.